0: Today on podcast by the Bay, California State Senator for District 11, Scott Wiener.
1: Anytime you talk about a significant problem facing California, housing always comes up, right? And sometimes it might be that you talk about poverty. People don't have enough money, um, and that's in large part because of the cost of housing. Um, We talk about carbon emissions and climate change while people are being forced into huge commutes. You talk about childcare uh, issues. Well, people—if if people are working two hours from where they live—that's going to make childcare a lot more challenging. Uh, over and over again, it comes back uh, to housing, and so we have to fix a fundamental problem. Focusing on housing, an issue that is on everyone's mind, uh, and I would argue that in California, for many, many, many years, unlike other important areas like education and healthcare. For many years in California, we have decided that housing is going to be almost totally local control, that we're going to allow cities to decide for themselves, do you want to build any housing, no housing, a little housing, a lot of housing? Uh, you know, we're, We've allowed cities to have almost complete local control over that decision making. And where has it gotten us?
0: All coming up on today's episode of Podcast by the Bay. Stay tuned podcast by the bay is brought to you by highway soul productions check us out at highwaysoul.com, and in conjunction with liberty realty liberty realty serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs www.liberty-realtyinvestments.com remember to subscribe and download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast, You can contact Podcast by the Bay by their email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. And now, another podcast by the bay. Okay, welcome to Podcast by the Bay. This is Andre,
2: and this is Patrick.
0: And welcome to another rendition of Podcast by the Bay. We thank you for being with us. We thank you for downloading the show, and we thank you for spreading the word to all your friends. And so today, we actually have a very special episode. We have a very special episode here at Podcast by the Bay which is going to feature California State Senator Scott Wiener. And so for all you guys out there and for all the public that knows Scott Wiener. He's somebody who's definitely engaged in what's happening, uh, who's someone who's really on the forefront of change and really someone who's really developed much legislation across the board on all sorts of issues between housing and equal rights and uh, you know homeless. And so he's definitely engaged in all these aspects. And so we are honored today to present Senator Scott Wiener, on podcast by the base so patrick you got to meet uh senator scott weiner you got to go down to his office you spoke with him can you give us a little background about scott and really about your interview
2: well wow, andre thank you very much for for that good introduction and thank uh, and thank most of all uh andre because he really pushed and was able to get that interview and i thank andre dearly for that um scott weiner was very very gracious he's in a, a very very tall Tall man. He's probably about six six or six seven. I kind of look like a, a short guy there. Um, he was born to a Jewish family in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and he grew up in southern New Jersey. Um, he uh, graduated from Washington Township High School, received his bachelor's degree from Duke University, studied in Santiago, Chile. He has a Fulbright scholarship. He has a law degree from Harvard University and he was a clerk for Justice Alan B. Handler of the Supreme Court of New Jersey. In 1997, he moved to San Francisco to work as a litigation attorney in Heller, Ehrman, White, and McAuliffe. In 2002, he went to work as a deputy city clerk in the San Francisco city attorney's office with Dennis Herrera. And before running for the board of supervisors, he was a uh, part of the San Mateo Democratic County Central Committee. Um, He's, uh, he's been uh, in the Senate, uh, I assumed office in the Senate and, uh, for a while. He covers, when he was a member of the Board of Supervisors, it was District 8. Uh, he has been, his election was to the Senate in 2016, so Wiener is, uh, is, hasn't been in the Senate's position um, not more than uh, two years. He's a fighter for uh, uh, lesbian and gay rights. But we went to talk to Senator Wiener about a lot of issues, mainly housing. Um, Senator Wiener, as you know, was very controversial with his 827. Um, I challenged him on how many houses are really needed in the state of California. He says we need some 3.5 million houses to balance everything out. Um, with further discussion, I couldn't find out and I don't think he knew the answer. How many is that housing would be subsidized housing? How much is that housing is workforce housing? So whatever it is, there is a, uh, a crisis in housing. Um, I introduced uh, to him a suggested idea. Um, which I have introduced to some of the other people running for public office or local office. Um, as mentioning the land cost to build housing is, is probably 40 to 50 percent of the cost of housing. Um, I talked about the surplus housing in the San Mateo County, the Santa Clara County or the state of California and asked him. I challenged him, I think we need to find where that surplus land is. It's my guess. Many of that surplus land is near the corridor transportation, which is in the unincorporated areas. So I challenged him because I think we, we, we have some kind of solution for the housing, as opposed to forcing each individual city to have a housing requirement. We have to understand that podcast by the Bay has interviewed almost 16 mayors and they all were opposed to Senator Weiner's bill because Senator Weiner's bill was going to try to dictate to those cities that they had to come up with certain housing, otherwise they would have certain fines or certain penalties um i challenged him on the the real issue is not just housing it's transportation if you listen to most of our podcasts it is transportation it's just a problem too so i challenged him that that we need to build near those corridor transportation places i also brought up um andre um our interview with dave tanner he was not familiar with dave tanner and and to our listeners dave tanner is on our podcast dave is the uh the key of of the uh system of the rapid transit system that he wants to do out of the, uh, Tanfaran shopping center, which a podcast by the Bay has an exclusive interview and it has a link to his idea, which is to connect all those cities where all these people come from so that they can have and buy affordable housing. So it was a very engaging situation. We talked about the homeless situation. We talked about the environmental impact. One of my passions and also, uh, Andre's is the environment, um, Obviously, with all the continued build out um, in the cities and counties and all that type of stuff, we're not really looking at the uh, total impact because the cities are all generating more revenue with property tax, sales tax revenue. So they're driven by a, a different thing and we need to take care of that. I think he agreed with it. One of the most pivotal things uh, that I brought up and I continue to bring that up, you know, we always support uh, housing near corridor transportation. And you know what? There is no study indicating that when you build near a corridor of transportation that they actually take public transportation. I think we need to get a handle on that, because the big question is, why are we building two car garages? Or why are we building so much excessive cars space in a corridor of transportation near the train? Shouldn't we be encouraging these people to take public transportation? With that, Andre, did you have any questions? And, and I thank Andre again for bringing forward the opportunity to interview Senator Weiner. He was on a very tight schedule. I only got 30 minutes, not quite 30 minutes, but I appreciate that opportunity.
0: And we appreciate Senator Scott Wiener for his time and for speaking with podcasts by the Bay. And once again, Senator Wiener represents District 11, and uh, that includes San Francisco, Broadmoor, Coma, and Daly City, as well as portions of South San Francisco. So that's kind of a big area that Senator Wiener kind of um, represents for the people and so I think one of the reasons why we really wanted to speak with, with Senator Wiener is because he kind of is leading some of the initiatives and the legislation really to address this housing crisis. Right. We had a huge um, podcast panel discussion with Matt Regan, with Amanda Sanchez, with Gary Pollard, really talking about the housing crisis. And, you know, the um, this, uh, Senate Bill 827 was brought up. And so this is someone that's been in the news. And so we wanted to speak to the source. And so the source is Senator Scott Wiener. And so we are definitely appreciative of of hearing directly from Scott Wiener and really understanding the perspective, because I think that he actually brings a very unique perspective onto why, because there is a lot of concern. Why are we building that? Why are we doing this? And so he actually answers those questions. And so when you recognize that from a from a bigger standpoint, California is we really need to to really start addressing this. And when you see the the, the 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 grander scale of the issue, I think, and I think that's what Senator Weiner speaks upon. So it's a really good interview. It's really good to hear from the source, and that's why we really wanted to speak to Senator Scott Weiner. We thank Senator Scott Weiner and his office and all his staff for making this happen for a podcast by the Bay. So with that, I think we're going to go ahead and. Get to the Senator Wiener interview. And if you have any questions, you have any feedback, please reach out to us at Podcast by the Bay at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter, at Podcast by the Bay as our handle, or on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Podcast by the Bay. Remember, all of our podcasts are available 24 hours a day for free on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, wherever your podcast site is, they're available there for free anytime 24 hours a day. So with that signing off. This is Andre
2: and this is Patrick and one little trivia Andre and I were both born in the city of San Francisco. What an honor.
0: What an honor. There you have it. Stay tuned.
2: Welcome to Podcast by the Bay. Today is July 23rd and it is Monday and we have the honor of interviewing Senator Weiner for the 11th district. Uh, Senator Weiner, welcome to Podcast by the Bay. For our listeners, Senator Weiner was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He was r- raised in Southern New Jersey. He's got a uh, undergraduate degree from Duke University. Uh, he also has a law degree from Harvard University. Uh, just for your edification, I am a native San Franciscan, but living on the peninsula. So. Welcome to Podcast by the Bay. What I would like you to is introduce yourself, tell us how you got into <laughs> politics. I know you were on the board of supervisors. I even read somewhere that you wanted to be a veterinarian at one point, and I'm passionate about animals. I'm glad to see that you're passionate about animals, too. So welcome to Podcast by the Bay, Senator Weiner. Give us a little background about you and how did your journey all the way to San Francisco and uh, come back.
1: Sure. Um, thanks for having me. <clears throat> um, I, uh, I, As you mentioned, I, I grew up in southern New Jersey. Um, really didn't come from a political family <clears throat> at all. Uh, my parents were politically aware, but not involved. Um, I think my, my first foray into politics was uh, in fourth grade. I ran for class treasurer and, and lost. Um, but I, I was undeterred. Um, and so when I was a teenager, I... Uh, started volunteering on campaigns and in college in North Carolina. Um, uh, got involved in in uh, uh, a U.S. Senate race to try to get rid of Jesse Helms, if people remember who that character was. Um, and uh, ultimately made my way out to San Francisco in 1997 and and swore that I wasn't going to do politics anymore. Uh, I was just going to. I was a, a starting new lawyer and was going to do community work in the LGBT community, but didn't want to do politics. Uh, but uh, as fate would have it, I got drawn back in through people I knew and um, people who were running for office and, uh, and started getting involved again and got more involved in the Democratic Party. Ultimately, I was elected to the San Francisco Democratic County Central Committee and served as chair of that committee, and, and in 2010 uh, ran for and was elected to the Board of Supervisors, uh, uh, representing the Castro, Noe Valley, Glen Park, part of the mission, Twin Peaks, and uh, spent six years on the board, uh, and then have now have the honor of representing San Francisco and Northern San Mateo County in the State Senate.
2: Well, I've enjoyed your journey <clears throat> and doing a little bit of uh, a background on on your successes and stuff. Um, one of the uh, leading uh, Bay Area questions—it's not just to San Francisco, and it's not—it's the whole state of California—is uh, currently the housing crisis that we have here. Um, I had an opportunity to interview probably about seventeen mayors in San Mateo County. We admire the uh, your tenacity to try to pass 827, which, as you know, went down to defeat. Now. One of the major issues for most of the people that I have interviewed in local politics was an issue of control. As you remember in the last crisis in the state of California, the redevelopment money went away. So the cities have not been necessarily adaptable or pushed as much housing as should be needed. Um, Currently, in just San Mateo County, I'm just giving you a a general rule, 17 of the cities all have different policies on housing. Um, I'm proud to have a city, (coughs) foster city, that we do 20% affordable housing. I want to hear your take on that, but before I go there, there's such a misnomer. How many houses are we short in California? Is it 100,000 a year? Any time I've talked to local officials, there's somewhere some people say it's 100,000 units behind per year. Some say it's 60. What's what's your take on it, Senator Weiner?
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, I I respect um, local elected officials and a desire to maintain local control over housing. Um, As a former local elected official myself, um, I'm a believer in local control in many situations. But we also have to be very clear that the ultimate goal and the ultimate debate is not about whether you like local control or not. The debate, the issue, is whether we should have enough housing for everyone. Um, The issue is whether it's acceptable uh, that in the San Francisco Unified School District, uh, 2,200 children are homeless. Uh, The issue is whether it is acceptable that young families are being forced to leave because we have made a policy decision effectively that it's not important, it's not a priority to have enough housing for everyone. And so it's either a priority to have enough housing or it's not. And local control is important, but local control is a good thing when it delivers good results, which it often does. When local control is delivering bad results, then we have to reevaluate it and decide, do we need to have a different state local balance? Uh, And I would argue that in California, for many, many, many years, unlike other important areas like education and healthcare, for many years in California, we have decided that housing is going to be almost totally local control, that we're going to allow cities to decide for themselves. Do you wanna build any housing? No housing, a little housing, a lot of housing, uh, you know, we have allowed cities to have almost complete local control over that decision making. And where has it gotten us? Uh, it's gotten us and to answer your specific question that California today has a housing deficit of 3.5 million homes. I'll say that again, three and a half million homes. That's how many homes we are short in California. To put that in perspective, that deficit of three and a half million homes in California is approximately equal to the housing deficit in the other forty-nine states combined. Wait, and, and, and so we, and it grows by a hundred thousand every year because we are short a hundred thousand every year. So that 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 number goes up by about a hundred thousand every year, uh, and and we have to do things differently. Um, we are putting our local elected officials, I believe, in an untenable position where we say, hey, we have this huge housing shortage. You city council members, you mayors, you put your head on the chopping block every week to approve projects. And that's, that's never, that's never going to do the job. And it's not fair to the local elected officials. And that's why I think the state has to set stronger standards.
2: Senator Wiener, a, a few years back, Uh, When we had a recession before, I went before the Board of Supervisors in San Mateo County and they were trying to explore selling some of their surplus properties. One of the major uh, cost in properties right now is the land itself. Um, What I wanted to kind of offer is a suggestion, and I have talked with a lot of elected officials and maybe you would be interested in, in exploring that, uh, in the state of California, we have surplus land. And the surplus land is in San Mateo County, Santa Clara County, all over the Bay Area. Some of it is unincorporated. One of the missions that I know that you are passionate about uh, is transportation. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But what I would like you to do is collectively find out we have surplus land in the state of California that's underutilized. Why are we not bringing that forward? But before I bring that thought process, and you gave me a very good figure, that accurate 3.5 million, your understanding, is this the majority of the people are these school teachers, bankers, homeless people? When we quote that 3.5 um, shortage of housing, and I won't dispute that because I've heard that figure for someone else. So what is the makeup of these people?
1: It, it affects everyone. Uh, it affects, uh, it affects uh, middle-class people who are um, unable to make a go of it uh, near where, anywhere near where they work, and they're forced to either leave the state entirely or uh, to commute an hour and a half, two hours uh, each way, um, which means that they're going to increase carbon emissions. It means they're spending so much time in their car uh, and not with their family. Uh, it is, we're pushing middle-class families away. It affects young people when you, the number of times that we all hear from people, my kid can't afford to move back to the town where he or she grew up, that kids, unless they're going to live in their parents' basement, there's nowhere for them to live. Um, it, uh, it affects, uh, low-income people. We, it, it, housing is the number one driver of poverty. In California, it pushes people into poverty because they simply can't afford housing. So they're living in either uh, inadequate or overcrowded uh, housing or, uh, or, or, or they become homeless and they're living in shelters or they're living in their cars. Um, it affects seniors who uh, maybe they want to downsize their home and they can't because there's no way they can afford well, let's, it.
2: Well, let's go back to my original. What do you think about this surplus land in the state of California? Are we not citizens and residents of the state of California? If the state has surplus land, why are we not utilizing that, and especially because it's near transit corridor? Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah
1: I, I think there is more and more of a push in California to prioritize um, surplus land, appropriate surplus land, uh, for housing, and we've done it here in San Francisco. I know there are other cities that have done it. Um, I think there is more of a push for the state uh, to do that. Uh, and I'm uh, definitely housing should be one key priority for surplus land. Um, not all lands appropriate for housing, but for land that is, so that's uh, uh, that's that's great, and that should be, you know, uh, you know, uh, affordable, subsidized uh, housing. Uh, So I I definitely believe in that. Um, But we also have to be clear that in addition to um, affordable, subsidized, what we call below market rate housing, where it's based on your income and, you know, through redevelopment, through investment of public money um, and so through surplus property, um, we have to have more housing overall because we're never going to subsidize our way out of our middle class housing problem. We can help a lot of low income people. Um, with subsidized housing, and I fully support that. But for our broad middle class, we're never going to subsidize our way out of that problem. It is simply a math supply and demand problem. There is not, we are underproducing housing for our population growth, and we've dug ourselves into a hole. Well, you know, there's
2: a, a couple buzzwords going around. And, and first of all, when we look at the housing stock that we're building in the state of California, there's are certain areas that they're building houses for sale, but the majority of the ones we see in the immediate Bay Area are high-end rentals. So they're not building that. But the buzzword that seems to be, and you're kind of going that direction, we have the buzzword, and I'm just going to use a project in Foster City, uh, Saris Regis is changing their zoning from commercial retail Um, to workforce housing slash regular housing. Okay, now this is going to work well for the city of Foster City. Now the workforce housing, the definition is is a broad definition. It could be firefighters, police, even though we know for the last 30 years they haven't lived in the immediate barrier. It could be teachers, bankers, or lawyers. How do we distinguish between the workforce housing and the affordable housing? Because I think we have two dilemmas here. Um, I, I strongly agree with your point. We don't have enough housing, and it may be 3.5 million. And maybe there's a higher demand for that workforce housing, uh, and just as great of a demand for the subsidized housing. How do we marry put those two together?
1: Um, <clears throat> you know, when people talk about workforce housing, uh, it's a very nebulous uh, thing. And and when we, I think when we say workforce housing, it's housing that is. Um, affordable to working class people and and that makes sense for them uh, and uh, and that's typically not going to result from public subsidies uh, there's just not enough money to do that and you're taking money away from low-income housing uh, to do that and and for our broad workforce uh, the, what's going to ultimately and it takes time what what's going to over time uh, make housing more affordable to to working class people, is to have enough of it. Uh, and right now, the the dilemma that we're, we we see is because we have this massive shortage. When new housing does get built, it's very expensive, uh, and and it gets referred to as luxury housing. And although there are certain certain projects that are clearly luxury, where they're just you know, uh, you know, the, they're just everything about them weeks of sort of luxury living. Uh, the, most of the new housing that's being built, it's, it's not, quote unquote, luxury housing. It's simply housing that is very expensive because we don't have enough of it. And existing housing, if you go to try to buy something that's 100 years old, it's going to be obscenely expensive as well. Not because it's luxury, but because there's not enough of it. And so what happens is for people who oppose development, at times they'll say, no, that's just luxury housing, so we shouldn't build it. We should only build, quote-unquote, subsidized affordable housing, um, which means we won't, we won't build very much housing at all. And so for our broad workforce, we need to uh, ha- you know, enable a lot more housing to be built. Um, we need to try to make it more affordable for that housing to be built in terms of construction costs. In terms of delays, which is you know costs money, Um, in terms of allowing more wood frame uh, construction, which right now we make wood frame construction very difficult for a variety of zoning reasons, Uh, and so there are things that we can do, but the 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 challenge, and this is hard as an elected official, people want solutions now, Uh, and I try to tell people when it comes to housing, we could make the most aggressive. Policy changes immediately today, um, and it will still take years and probably decades to really dig ourselves out of this hole. It, this well, is a problem that can't be fixed overnight. Tragically,
2: you're you're quite active and passionate in the community in, in many areas. But I want to kind of focus on an example about housing. Uh, you have Facebook, you have Google, you have Apple, and in the Bay Area, a lot of these companies are providing childcare they're providing relief, Uh, they're providing housing and food. So it seems like in another way these companies are more progressive than we are progressive in the state to realize somehow when you consider that 40 to 50 percent of somebody's income is going to housing, it's got to be even more difficult for that person that has child care or other needs to pay for. So how can we uh, be a little more creative in the, uh, in the state and the government to realize that the housing cost has a lot to do with all these other costs that are out there?
1: Yeah, it's, it's when, when you look at any time you talk about a significant problem facing California, housing always comes up, right? It, 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 and sometimes it might be that you talk about poverty but don't have enough money. Um, and that's in large part because of the cost of housing. Um, we talk about carbon emissions and climate change while well, people are being forced into huge commutes. We talk about child care uh, issues. Well, people, if, if people are working two hours from where they live, that's going to make child care a lot more challenging. Um, over and over again, it comes back uh, to housing. And so we have to fix a fundamental problem. Uh, and, you know, I think it's great that um, some of these companies are doing more around housing. Um, there lo- some local communities were blocking them from doing that for a long time. Now we're seeing that, you know, Google, Facebook, et cetera, are building housing. That's great. I'm for, I'm for anyone who wants to build housing. I'm all for it. Um, we also need to um, understand that w- we don't want to be reliant on where someone works, in terms of whether they get housing, because most employers are not in a position to, to build housing. Uh, and so we, I don't want to, sometimes people get caught up with, well, the tech companies should just build housing for their workers. Um, that's great if they want to do that, uh, but that doesn't solve the problem for most people. And so we as a community need to um, create a pro-housing atmosphere where we decide that we want to have enough housing and that we're going to make that happen.
2: Well campus housing is very popular as you know it started a long time ago at Stanford University where they did a lot of campus housing. Um, currently I think Stanford University is going to be trying to put some 10,000 units available so I know they're going to have some challenges. Um, do you think we need to see more campus housing? Um, and, 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 and and I know when I ran for a political office a while back and um, One of the interviewers was a little bit brutal on me on my campus housing. He thought it was dormitory, but he was just being a little bit out there just to uh, get his point. We've had successes with Stanford Kenyatta College, the College of San Mateo, and now uh, I think we need to explore in this state a lot more campus housing. That doesn't necessarily mean school teachers are going to want to live on a campus atmosphere. What's your opinion?
1: Well, when we say campus housing, I mean, there's two things. First of all, for the students because we don't have nearly enough student housing uh, in the Bay Area, um, uh, in L.A. as well. And so you have students who are thrown into the general housing pool where they can't afford housing. And, you know, we know that one in 10 CSU students, for example, is homeless. Uh, And it also uh, increases pressure on the general housing stock. And so I'm all for universities uh, building uh, housing for their students, whether it's, you know, including dorms. Um, so that students have a place to live. And we're seeing that in San Francisco. We're seeing it uh, elsewhere. Uh, and when I was on the Board of Supervisors, I authored legislation to make it much easier for universities to build their own housing. There's a similar push at the state level now. Um, and, it, and I think as part of that, for universities that have enough land and are able to do it, uh, building housing for their employees is, uh, is important uh, because so many of those employees... Uh, you know, both teachers but also uh, support staff are really struggling and either have nowhere to live or live very far away from where they work. Uh, So, yes, university housing is very important.
2: Okay, one thing I wanted to kind of go in a little bit of a similar direction is the environment. Because I'm passionate just as well as you are about the environment. But what I feel that what we're seeing in the surrounding counties and cities, that we're using outdated environmental impact reports when we look at environmental impact ports they're supposed to be looking at transportation they're supposed to look at police and fire and safety with the advent of many of these cities all up the state campaign their retirement they're all seeming to passing housing with outdated infrastructures and when i mean that i'm talking about the sewer i'm talking about the water do you have any idea of what we can do to to kind of level this. We need housing. I think you've even talked about density housing, and I'm in favor of housing. I support housing. But I can't see that we're also maybe, and you tell me your opinion, neglecting the environment totally.
1: <clears throat> well, in terms of infrastructure, uh, you know, as you build housing, it is important to make sure the infrastructure keeps up. And it's never perfect. Some people will say, don't build any housing until we have the perfect, you know, uh, the perfect perfect infrastructure well it's never you you 're never going to have that perfect timing it, it becomes a little clunky and sometimes the housing will get ahead of the infrastructure or vice versa uh, but we need to invest a lot more in infrastructure in california and i mean nationwide we 've just seen a collapse in infrastructure investment. the federal government has just retreated um, the state has not done enough uh and, and we're we're trying to change that i we we um, last year, passed Senate Bill 1, the largest transportation funding uh, measure in California history, $5.2 billion a year for roads, uh, transit for our freeway system. Uh, there is an effort, unfortunately, now to repeal it, which would be uh, devastating. Um, but we are also uh, seeing other efforts to try to um, increase what we spend on uh, infrastructure because we, uh, we are way, way behind transportation. We see uh, aging sewer and water systems, uh, and we, we need to prioritize infrastructure along with housing.
2: Okay, I want to kind of go the direction of transportation. So far, my listeners, transportation is just as passionate as housing. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, and maybe you can tell me, is there a study, and to my knowledge, there's no study in the state of California that says that building near-corridor transportation that the people that are actually living there, ownership or renter below market, are actually taking public transportation, and then I ask the question: Why are we building two-car garages, or why are we not having share cars or or something in place in in that location?
1: Well, I think um, we should have. We should not have um, high parking requirements near transit. Um, <clears throat> I think having when you talk about dense housing around transit, it should have either um, no parking or very little parking. Uh, you know, when you have <clears throat> when you require a lot of parking in in apartment buildings, it increases the cost of construction dramatically. It can be fifty or seventy-five thousand dollars a unit. It reduces the amount of housing you produce, uh, and it does encourage people uh, to drive. Uh, so when we build housing near transit, it should be with an eye towards people using transit. I do believe. A People do One of the reasons why housing near public transportation tends to be more expensive at times uh, than further away is because people do want the ability to use transit. They may not use it all the time. They may also drive, uh, but people should at least have the option. Uh, and so there, there is sometimes uh, this um, argument that people uh, don't take transit even if they live near transit. I think that's a, um, a false argument. Um, Don't you
2: think we need some quantitative proof? Now, um, one thing that I heard recently is that Caltrain um, has some 30 acres of property that they're considering to work with housing because this is where they store some of their old cars. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'd encourage you to kind of keep an eye on that. I'd like to see some kind of input uh, along the line. And thank you for saying that we don't necessarily need to build those two-car garages and stuff like that because I don't think we need to. Bay Meadows Project in San Mateo had one phase where that you had to do a share car or, or you had to take public transportation. I know it's hard to take people's people's rights away or subsidize, but if they're going to get housing and they're benefiting it, maybe that is a, a small sacrifice not only for the community but also for the ability of housing in less dense areas. Um, transportation, uh, five more... Transportation is a real key thing that I want to talk to you about. We do not have, um, we have Caltrain, we have BART, we have Samtram. We don't have a transit district. We have ABAC. We do not get our transit systems together. The only thing we claim in the peninsula, we've got the clipper card. I encourage you to listen to Dave Tanner. Who Dave Tanner is an 18-year uh, town council in Woodside. He has a proposal over there, Tamforan Shopping Center, to connect 380, a monorail system. And if you go to Podcast by the Bay, you can see our video on it. We need to get. What's your opinion on a transit district so that we can coordinate these these transit areas?
1: Um, well, I mean, we that coordination is very important. We do have regionally the the Metropolitan Transportation Commission which tries to play a coordinating role uh, in, in San Mateo County there is the County Transportation um, Authority and then in the South Bay uh, the Valley Transportation Authority so we do have um, some level of coordination but um, it, it, it needs to be more and clipper has been a big step uh, but we um, we need to do uh, more and better uh integrated transportation planning. Uh, we have I think, 28 or 29 uh, public transportation agencies in the Bay Area. That's a lot. Um, I don't think they're going to be consolidated and nor is it always a good idea to consolidate. Um, but increased coordination would be a good thing.
2: Okay, this is an opportunity for you to brag about some of your accomplishments so far um, as being senator and, and if you want to bring in a little bit when you're on the Board of Supervisors, too. Uh,
1: thank you. Yeah, we've um, uh, It's been a real honor to, to represent our community in the Senate, and we've really been pushing aggressively on some key issues. Housing is one. We passed a big housing package last year, uh, including a housing streamlining bill I authored, and we're continuing to do the housing work this year. <clears throat> Doing a lot of uh, um, a lot of uh, uh, environmental related work, including a, uh, a major water recycling bill uh, this year, as well as a um, clean energy storage bill um, as well, and and just some anti-poverty work around uh, youth homelessness, um, as well as making sure that uh, low-income people are able to access uh, food. Um, so I feel I feel really good about the work we've been. Uh, doing and and I look forward to. to Let me doing ask more. one
2: quick question yeah. on the homelessness in San Francisco. As I mentioned, I'm a native. Do you think the uh, Gavin Nuisance and Angela Alioto have an idea that uh, that needs to be forthcoming again to deal with the homelessness in San Francisco?
1: Um, I think we know what we need to do. Uh, you know, we need, uh, in addition to more supportive housing, we need more shelter beds. Um, we also uh, need, uh, you know some innovative approaches to addiction, which is driving a lot of the challenges we see on the street. Uh, and I've been a supporter of uh, allowing safe injection sites where people can go inside to inject instead of what we have now in San Francisco, which is a citywide open air injection, unsafe <laughs> injection site. Uh, so we, we also, I have a bill this year uh, to try to allow um, for increased use of conservatorships for Uh, Some of our chronic homeless who are truly debilitated and unable to make decisions for themselves are the ones who are truly dying on our streets, which is not progressive, not humane. uh, And uh, we should be conserving some of these people uh, for a limited period of time to try to get them stable uh, and healthy. So there's no one solution to this terrible problem, but there are things that we can do to make it better.
2: Well, on behalf of Podcast by the Bay, Senator Weiner, I want to thank you for taking your time to interview, and I hope we have an opportunity <clears throat> again to interview you. Thanks thank- again, Senator Weiner.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: That was Leo DeVito performing Goodbye Porcupine Hat as well as other compositions. And you can find out more about Leo on the Highway Soul Music page at highwaysoul.com. Oh, I hope you enjoyed the show, and you can listen to any of our podcasts 24 hours a day at any podcast site such as iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, or Pocketcasters or your favorite podcast site. All right, until next time, stay tuned. Thank you for listening to this episode of Podcast by the Bay. Podcast by the Bay is brought to you by Highway Soul Productions. Check us out at HighwaySoul.com and in conjunction with Liberty Realty. Liberty Realty, serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs. www.liberty-realtyinvestments.com Remember to subscribe and download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can contact Podcast by the Bay by their email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. All material is property and copyrighted by Podcast by the Bay, but does not necessarily reflect the views of Podcast by the Bay. For sponsorship opportunities, please contact us by email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. Stay tuned. <laughs>